Amen. Thank you again so much for being here. Um, I believe that's our heart cry. If our heart cry really is, oh, how I love Jesus, it's amazing what all we can get over and get through in life if we agree on that. Oh, how I love Jesus. Uh, my favorite um, line from, from the psalm before that is, is, is this statement, with the ransomed in glory, his face I, shall, I, I last shall see. Um, I, I don't know about what your perspective is of your own life, but you, you realize that's who we are. That line's about us seeing Jesus for the first time. Um, if, if you ever have um, watched these, you know, these kind of action movies where somebody is, is, is held captive and there's a ransom um, that's put on them. And, and the idea is if, if the ransom is paid, then they'll be released into freedom. Um, and that's, that's our testimony, uh, that the ransom was, was the life of Jesus Christ. And it was paid for us so that we could be set free out of the bondage of sin that we were in. So we just celebrate. We love that. Uh, we're getting ready to come um, up on the July 4th. We actually get to celebrate the 4th together um, in service, in worship. I'm very excited about that because uh, freedom in Jesus Christ, um, being, that, being that group of ransom people um, is an amazing thing. And, and I do want to encourage you. I know July 4th weekend is always super busy and, and many people may be traveling. And many people will be setting up and kind of preparing for family time and stuff like that. Um, if, if at all possible, please prioritize being in service together. I just I was able to spend a week last week at um, at our kids camp, but there's also a lot of leaders there. there our kids are there. Um, there's just there, there's we had a, a team of of our middle school, high school students. Some of them were serving in different ways. And when you spend a week really focused towards a goal in community together, um, you're reminded of how just precious the time is that we really do get to gather. And there's nothing like seeing somebody face to face. So if at all possible, please prioritize being in worship together, um, especially over that weekend as well while we celebrate that. Uh, we did just get back from camp, had a great week. Uh, we're still talking to counselors and really gathering in some of the information so we know all what decisions were made for Christ and what kind of counseling opportunities we had as they're sending us in their information and their notes. We try to give them a little bit of time to be able to accomplish all that. Um, but I don't know if you ever went to camp. I grew up going to camp. Um, one, of our, one of our activity staff is in service this morning. Her name's Ava, and her mom needed to drop off something at camp this week. And, and I told her mom, I said, Marianne, I said, you know, I, I started at this camp when I was a kid. And I've been able to volunteer and lead and just be down there for so long. Um, and so in my mind, I know exactly what camp means. But we wanted to share just a little bit of what camp means and what goes on down there that you guys have been praying for and help support. So if you would watch this video. So when I hear that 
parents, I appreciate you sending your kids down. It's an awesome opportunity, it's a privilege to be able to get to know them uh, on a week like that, to be able to see what God's doing in their life, um, to see, we learned a lot this past week, coming out of a year and a half of COVID, how we can really partner better with you, really learning what the kids are getting, what, they're, um, the, what the big dots of connection still need to be. Um, so we just saw so much great stuff. We appreciate it. So many of you um, were very generous in, help, in how you helped sponsor someone to be able to make it there. Um, so thank you so much for that. You'll know in eternity all the difference um, that got started this week by that investment. So thank you so much uh, for being a part of that. Today um, is the first Sunday for a few weeks. We're going to be stepping out um, into another kind of like a little bit of a summer mini-series. Uh, this series is just simply is, is just called Adulting. Um, and I know there's things that change once you get to a grown-up stage of life. I just got to sp- spend a week with a bunch of kids who are on summer vacation. Um, and even though I was, I was at camp myself, um, I know at this point in my life, summer vacation um, no longer exists in the same way that it used to. Um, in fact, when I think of vacations, I, I was curious, have you, ever, have you ever thought this yourself? Um, when you get back from a vacation, have you ever said out loud, I need a vacation from my vacation? Like, I need a break from what I just experienced. Um, I, I try to find, the, the, the more, um, the older I get, um, I really try to find time on vacation to go, okay, where can we go? Like, we, we used to vacation at, you know, Cherry Grove and North Myrtle, and now it's like we moved out of that. There was too many things that caught my kids' attention. They were like, ooh, can we do that, 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 that? I'm not trying to deprive my kids. I'm trying to get some rest, right? I, I want to enjoy the time with them, but I needed a little bit slower down. So we've fallen in love with Ocean Isle and Oak Island and places like that, a um, little bit more restful. For those of you that take huge campers out, and you've gone and you hook up and you unhook and you drain and you do all that stuff, bless you. Um, if, you'll, if you'll look for me, um, you probably won't see me um, in, in, in whatever, wherever all those are parked. I look at those things. I got behind one coming to church this morning, and Connor was like, well, I guess they're going somewhere. I was like, yes, but they already look exhausted to me. I can't even see them. Just the back end of that camper looks exhausting to me. Um, and, and, and many times that's what we really, we really need as adults. We need some rest. Um, we need to be able to recharge. We need to be able to, to, to kind of recapture something that maybe would allow for some energy that we feel like we don't have. Well, internally wired into creation and our existence, and especially our relationship with God, is a concept called Sabbath. And I want to kick this series off because I really believe um, we'll never be able to work well until we learn to rest well. Now, I, I, I want to I define up front kind of a little bit of what we're talking about here because I'm not talking about physical rest. We're going to address that a little bit, but, but I'm not talking about primary physical rest. That's just a responsibility. Like if, if, if we are working so hard that our bodies are breaking down, that's sinful. That's on us. That's called pride. That, that's saying I can do everything that needs to get done in life, and I can take care of it myself. Um, what God gives us. He, 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 he created seasons, and he created times of the day. He created a nighttime, I believe, to sleep through, right? So as, as we look at different things, we're, we're not talking about just, you know, getting just physical rest. This kind of rest has always been aimed at recognizing the greatness of God. And to recognize the greatness of God, it offers us some things that we desperately need as Christians to be able to function. So as we go through some scripture this morning, there'll be several things that'll be on the screen um, and, and I want to start a little bit with a little bit of a tracking history 
of just what God made and why he made it. And then I want us to look at how that swings over into the New Testament where we go literally from Old Testament very driven towards law, the rules, um, the, the physical examples of what it meant to be set apart and holy to the New Testament which is very much um, a, an overtone of grace, decisions that God is allowing us and calling us to make because he's put his spirit inside of us to work with and grow in as we listen to him. That's what we've been talking about in the book of Acts as we, st- as we step out of that. Um, so this morning I want to start in Genesis and um, I'm going to the very last verse of chapter 1 and the very uh, in the first couple of verses in chapter 2 and it says this God saw all that he had made and it was very good indeed evening came and then morning the sixth day so God had created for six days now um, if you never get a chance to really study the order of creation um, God has this pattern of he, he creates something and then he fills it uh, and if, if you think about that that really matches our life as a Christian he creates in us a new life and salvation and then he wants to fill it with the right things he wants to he wants us to walk in faithfulness with him um, but we don't bring that stuff into salvation that's what he gives us and grows us through while we're saved so he sets this pattern and for six days he works it says so then verse 1 chapter 2 so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed on the seventh day God had completed his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all the work of creation. Now, number one, I want to I show you this. This verse doesn't say that God did nothing on that day. It says that he rested from his work. And see, that's a, that's a real primary part of Sabbath rest that we need to get. It requires us to rest from our primary work that we've done. So in other words, when, when you think about how am I going to get some, the kind of rest that my soul needs, not just what my, what my energy level needs, but what does my soul need, then we need to stop, we need to break from the primary work that we've been up to. Sometimes that's, that's our job because we work a job to get a paycheck, and that paycheck goes in the bank, and then we pay for the things that we need. And part of resting from that says, okay, God, I want to I honor you. I want to recognize you as ultimately the supplier of my needs. In other words, I don't have to work seven days a week that you created, Lord, to, to have everything I need. I, I can work six days. I can, do, I can be faithful in what you've, you've allowed me to do. But I can also recognize, God, of where all that ultimately comes from. And I can choose to stop that work and trust you that in stopping that work and recognize you, that will be a greater provision that I could receive than just getting a little bit more money. It's calling us to, to stop from that. Um, sometimes it's not just our work that we need to, we need to take a break from. Sometimes our primary work is the, is the worry and the stress that's going on in our mind. We're trying to solve all the issues of life within our own thoughts and, and with our own ideas. And sometimes we need to Sabbath rest, not just from our day labor, but from our mental labor. We worry so much about how am I going to resolve fill in the blank. And we do that seven days a week, and then 14 days, and then 21 days. We need Sabbath. Again, if we're recognizing God for his greatness, it's taking a break from the primary work that we've been up to. So when, you, when you're thinking about this, when you're hearing Scripture today, it's going to be worth kind of writing down, okay, what, at, at any given point, when, my soul, when I'm aware my soul needs rest, what's the primary work that I've been up to trying to supply my needs and fix my stuff? And, and what really could I honor God in and say, God, I want to look to you. I want to be restored by you in this area. Um, and, and I believe really it's all of that. 
Um, the other thing I want to I point out to you is it's interesting to me because the, the very first thing in creation that was made holy was not humans. It wasn't anything that God, I mean, God had just created this whole planet, the whole universe. Nothing in there does he say it is holy except for this day that he declares as, as honoring, as recognizing all that God had already completed. Now, that tells us something. When it comes to a perspective of work, there is, there is goodness in work, but there's also sanctity and rest. Um, I, I don't believe the kingdom of God has any place for lazy people, right? Um, lazy Christians ought, ought to be just, that, that, that ought to just put a bad taste in our mouth. We're, we're never called to, to, to be people that push off work and avoid work. Um, it, it, and if you really think through it, um, when, when you see that statistic, when you see an unwillingness to go to work creep into a culture, you're also going to see a, a pretty significant moral decay with that. Because when we're unwilling to be active in this world, building community where we work, being, um, being part of the economic system that we're in, and, and following God's open doors in that area, because, because that is an incredible, incredible place of mission for us. To be working beside someone where, while they're really trying to, they're trying to obtain what they need in life, to be able to be a Christian light, to say, hey, let me tell you what Jesus can, can, can really do with your life. If pulling out of that, that's not a good sign. Um, just saying, hey, listen, taking a stand and going, hey, look, I, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I have six hours a day that I, that I just have to myself. I, I'm going to structure myself to where I'm, I'm just always rested. That, that's, that's not necessarily a testimony that, that's, that's shining. We need to embrace and we need to see the value of the work that God allows us to be a part of. But that work is only supposed to point us to our need for Jesus and our need to rest in Him so that we can be full of the right things to then go re-engage in that workplace ministry, in the economic system of our country, all those things. It's the first thing that He declared holy. Now, it seems like after God does this, it seems like after God does this, he, he really kind of almost goes silent on it. Now, he instituted this. This follows the creation of humans. So, so they, they would have recognized what God was doing, and they would have recognized the completion of all this. Now, how well did this idea of a rest communicated from what God did to what they would do? How well did it stick? Uh, not very well. We, we, re, we see it come up again in Exodus chapter 16. Now, at this point, in Exodus chapter 16, now you're dealing with God bringing his people out of bondage with the nation of Egypt. They were, they were slaves. They were working 24 hours a day, seven days a week for others. And he's now going to call them into a rest where their souls could be restored. He wasn't just after giving their bodies a break. Okay. In verse 23 in chapter 16, it says this. He told them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil and set aside everything left over to be kept until morning. So God had been providing, if you're not sure exactly kind of why he's telling them that. They, they were out in the wilderness. This, this, wasn't, um, this didn't look like a, a really dense forest. It didn't look like an absolute desert. Um, it was a little bit of vegetation in just kind of a, a, a mountainous region. And they've been wondering, and, and they didn't have a way to really acquire a lot of food. God had promised their, 
their freedom. God had promised he was going to ransom them. So within God's promise, just like you and I have seen, when you know that God has promised you something, he also equips along the way for that promise. God didn't say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm, my promise is good, but you're going to starve to death as a byproduct. No. God said, if I promised you this, I'm also going to provide the food that you need to be able to be sustained through this. So God was sending manna to them daily, and they were able to collect this, and, and they were trying to get as much as they could. So to teach them reliance on him and trust in him, he told them, he said, listen, if you try to bank too much up, if you try to collect too much and you want to be a little bit selfish, it's just going to spoil they would find that as they ate what they needed for the day, when they would try to collect a bunch of it and go back to it the next day, it would be full of maggots. Now, that's disgusting. I don't know what your personal view on that is, but that is just gross. I, uh, that, that would be enough to just make you vomit. But, but again, God was like, I'm so serious about your need to trust in me that I've got to do this to be able to drive this lesson home. Well, this one time, God says, I want you to rest in me. So he says, on this day, I, the the the, the, the difference is, I am going to allow you to collect. I am going to allow you to cook ahead. I'm going to allow you to do some of those things because giving you what you need for tomorrow is going to allow you to just rest in me and just be able to take a day to be able to realize and recognize and just in your soul worship, Lord, you are good to me. I'm seeing the evidence of your provision right in front of my face. And that just reminds me that tomorrow, when next week starts, I can wake up with confidence that that food will be back again. And God wants to take us sometimes in seasons of our lives, and sometimes it, we, we feel the pain in this, we feel the struggle in this. When, when God is really working our trust out in Him that really needs to be present and needs to be there. Verse 24, So they set it aside until morning, as Moses commanded, and it didn't stink and it didn't have maggots in it, Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you won't find any in the field. For six days you will gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now, notice this verse, verse 27. Yet on the Sabbath day, some of the people went out to gather, but they did not find any. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and instructions? Understand that the, the, that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the, on the sixth day, he will give you two days' worth of bread. Each of you stay where you are. No one is to leave his place on the seventh day. Now, some people can take this passage totally out of context. And some people say, okay, we, you, you, you can't absolutely do anything on the Sabbath day. You can't, you know, go shop. You can't go eat. You can't, like, you have to just stay huddled in. I've always found this funny. People that feel very strong about do nothing on Sunday, they're at church. They did something. They left their place, right? Like, they, like they, they actually got outside their house. It always kind of made me laugh a little bit. People that really wanted to, like, wait, you can't, you can't go here. I'm like, yeah, but you go out to eat. You don't mind the waiters and waitresses working on Sunday, do you? Right? This passage tells a lot about what, what our nature will ultimately be. Even though the people heard God's promise, what did they do on the seventh day? They went out to the field. They went out there expecting something because in their minds, they, they kind of started getting a little bit indifferent to just recognizing the greatness that God was just supplying their food every day. And they went out there and said, okay, like I don't get food unless I do my part. I've, I've got to work for me to really be able to have this. So they went out to there, and, and, and what did it say? They didn't find anything. 
I, I want you to, if, if you do take notes, this may be a point worth writing down. There is a point where our work becomes futile when we ignore the call to rest in the Lord. There is a point where when we are working so hard to get so much done, we start to notice futility in it because we're really pushing back on what the Lord calls us to do, which is really to be restored in Him. I have seen, you know, I, I've worked stretches in my life, and it and it's sinful, right? We we brag about working. We we man, I, I've worked thirty-seven days straight. Nobody comes in and bragging about breaking any of the other commandments. Nobody walks in and goes, "Yep, killed three people this morning." Look at me. But we come in and brag about how much we've worked, how long we've worked, and 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 I've worked. Weeks and weeks and weeks without taking any kind of time to really find restoration in the Lord. And at the end of those weeks, I usually say this, I've hit my wall. I'm realizing that, that the things that I want to get done so much are just never complete enough. I'm more frustrated than I ever am. I'm, I'm snapping, I'm yelling, I'm losing my temper. All the, Because what happens? I'm ignoring the call that God has put on my life to rest in Him. But he's allowing me to have the full experience of what my effort will bring in my life. There is a point where we'll see the futility in it. And they did. I mean, they, I mean, think about that. How hum All right, let's go. We're going to do our part. Mm, nothing. And then they return, and, and, and Moses speaks on behalf of the Lord. He's like, yeah, nothing. Exactly what you found. Exodus chapter 20. Again, I just want to kind of, I'm, try I'm trying to build in, you know, kind of some of this history so we see where the Lord is going. Um, because in this, at this point, God has given them the opportunity, and they're just not getting it. So God is going to help them, like He helps me oftentimes. When I just don't, I'm just not getting it. He really wants. He, he then begins to really reveal the, the why purpose, the, the for what purpose am I doing this? Right. Exodus chapter twenty, um, and also Deuteronomy chapter five. You, you heard of the Ten Commandments. Um, it's not all the rules that God gave them to show what holiness looked like, but it's the top ten. It's the ones that were on the tablets. It's the ones that many kids memorize and recite. Um, and, and the hinge verse, the first set of commands aim our hearts towards the Lord, and then the other set of commands aim our hearts towards others. And it matches. What did Jesus say when they tried to trick him? What are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love others as yourself. He said all the commandments, all the law is wrapped up in these two things. He gave the perfect answer. Because this is just God beginning to reveal this, this long-range plan of his to bring redemption to humanity. Verse 8. This is, this is part of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work. Right, remember what the call is not just the commandment, it's not just about rest right, it's 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 work the rhythm. Work for the time that you're called to work, rest for the time that you're called to rest. It says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Now, remember, this is the law that he's giving them. The law has some absolutes. It has very 
um, it, it has very rigid walls to it because, because God's showing them what holiness looks like, so he's giving them set rules to live by. Because remember, they're not living as Christians like we live with the Holy Spirit inside of them. They come into worship, there are movements of the Holy Spirit, but they don't have their, God's voice in them to guide them in daily decisions. That, that they, are, they need more law than they need grace yet. Here's what's revealed when we have the, these same Ten Commandments report, recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 5. In verse 15 it says this, Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. See, the, the beauty of this is, um, is, is that in Exodus 31 and Ezekiel 20, we, we, we see the same things. It says the Sabbath is a sign of a covenant, and that's a relational promise, and that the Lord sanctifies or sets apart, it sets apart his people. Here's a point that I would like to make to you. Resting in the Lord is a sign of relational trust and dependence. Now, when God gave them a Sabbath day, there was literally a day that they took, and, and we would, in, in our weak perspective, that would have landed on Saturday. When they took that day as Sabbath, it was an outward sign to the whole world. Hey, their whole culture changes. Like, they're, they're, like they're different. I mean, the word, the world culture was work every day. There's seven days of a week. Work every day to get everything that you could possibly amass in this life and keep moving to the next week. But when they would look at the Israelite culture, they would see them completely stop. And, and it wasn't just them. They would give the time off to their servants. They would, they would rest their animals on this day. They would, they would really do something radically different than all the world's culture because it was a symbol that God had called them to live differently than everybody else. God was working through them. It was an outward sign as much as it was an inward sign that there was a thing that really existed in having a relationship with God belonging to Him. And I believe that we can see this as it rolls into, we're getting ready to go into Hebrews for just a few minutes, it's still a sign of relationship. It's not, as, it's not as much of an outward show anymore, but it's very much an inward sign of our relationship with God. It's what he's calling us to. And when God establishes something as a sign, it's meant to be seen by someone, and it's meant to be experienced. In the Old Testament, Sabbath was a day. In the New Testament, it's the rhythm of grace in which we live. And, and, I, and I, would, I would challenge you to go back, read, read these passages of these Ten Commandments and notice the shift that happens at, at, at this fourth point in the commandments where it goes, okay, from, from resting in the Lord, from, from recognizing the Lord to then resting in Him, then my heart is prepared to then go li be aimed right towards all the people in my life. And what if, what if the great key to so many relationship issues that we have is just taking the time that we need to be filled with what the Lord wants us to be filled with so that it, there is something there to pour out. Do you ever feel empty? Do you ever feel like you're looking at people and they're expecting something from you and, you, and, and you're, you're going inside in my soul? There's nothing to give right now. I, I mean, you can squeeze me, but there's nothing that's going to come out. Like it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm absolutely out. That's a sad, that's a scary feeling. That's a heartbreaking feeling. But it's a feeling that we're never, we're, we're called to be able to live without. 
we really follow faithfully what the Lord tells us to do. This is Hebrews 4. It says, therefore, Sabbath rest remains for God's people. In other words, um, we're, th- this isn't just an Old Testament concept. It remains. Sabbath rest remains. Notice, it, it doesn't say a day of the week is still set aside to be the Sabbath. It says that Sabbath rest as a concept, as an idea, as a function, it remains. For the person who has entered this rest has rested from his own works just as God did from his. What are the key concepts it's bringing in? What is the work that you're primarily up to? Your job, the mental effort, the work, all those things. What, what is it, the planning? What is it that you and I've been up to that we, na- we need to actually take a break from? It says, let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. You, 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 know, what, you know what that, word, that verse just told us? You think, but because God's word says, make every effort, you think it's going to be easy? No. And I can tell you this, if you don't work a traditional job schedule, um, I've I've been, there was a few years where my wife um, stepped out of teaching in in the school system, and, and she primarily was at home, and she was doing a lot of stuff to help me in ministry, and I can promise you, just because she wasn't punching a clock somewhere, that did not guarantee her rest at all. Not at all. In fact, sometimes I wondered if I worried because when we talked, I was worried that she was maybe more exhausted then than she was when she could just kind of hit the switch at the end of the day and say, okay, I'm stepping away. Now, I brought this hula hoop in. I took this to camp this, this last week. I am not going to hula hoop right now. I was walking through the lobby, and um, Royce called me out because I, I spun the hula hoop out, and it just kind of spun for a second and then just rolled right back to me, and I grabbed it and it kept walking said show off I said you know what sad that's actually on my resume it's actually a lot that, that's a line on my resume that it's there um, my back is so stiff after sleeping on the camp mattress for a week um, I would snap in half um, right now the truth that my hips tell because they don't lie um, is that I'm, I'm stiff and sore I, I want you to think about this this just represents because you know, it says enter into this just represents Sabbath rest okay I'm just gonna lay this down this is the concept Sabbath rest exists. It is a real thing. Scary thing is, I can get a lot done without ever stepping into it. I mean, if you just kind of think through this example, I could function and do almost every, I could preach this whole sermon and, and just purposefully avoid stepping inside this circle. I don't, I don't have to step inside this. I have to choose to step inside. That's, that's how we need to view Sabbath rest. It's going to take effort. But notice what happens if we don't. What is the logical conclusion if we don't choose to be restored in the Lord? It says, let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. Everything that we saw the nation of Israel go through, they would draw close to the Lord, they would recognize Him, they would worship Him, they would celebrate Him, and then they would start, you know, not being happy with life. They would complain some. They would ultimately try to solve their own complaints. They would seek their own desires. They would worship other things. They would go on living their life, pursuing their dreams, doing their thing, and just pushing what the Lord wanted for them 
farther and farther and farther outside of their schedule and their, their ways of thinking in their life. Our lives will find that same pattern of disobedience, that same pattern of sin, if we don't enter into this kind of rest. Now, many times, that's where we, we stop in Hebrews 4 when we're reading the passage, thinking about Sabbath rest. Remember, when, when you see breaks in your Bible and chapter headings and everything, those didn't exist until it got translated into other languages, primarily English. So, so let's read a couple of passages. Let's read so the verses that, that directly follow and, and really kind of see, okay, God, what, what's a full picture of what you're up to? We don't want to fall into the same pattern of disobedience. Verse 12, for the word of, the, of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from them. Uh, is not, no creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of them who we must give an account. This verse automatically fall, flows into just how deep God's word can penetrate into our soul. You know what, many times when we're busy and we're avoiding this kind of circle in life, when we're avoiding this spot, we're, we're choosing not to step in, we're so occupied. Have you ever found yourself at the point where you're just, you haven't taken the time to just really mentally think and just meditate and just and really get a good picture of where life is at the moment we're so busy and so occupied in so many things our thoughts start to go up to this just this surface level of getting by and existing and we don't take time to really dive deep into where sometimes it really is messy but God's Word can cut all through that to give us the exact wisdom that we need in that area over that decision, over that attitude, or whatever it is. That kind of thinking takes time. And it just doesn't happen when we say, okay, let me get up for a few minutes in the morning or just stop a few minutes before I go to bed. We need time to be able to really process and meditate and seek God. I believe that's why God said, okay, let me give you a rhythm. Six and one. Here's a day. Here's a whole period of time that I want, you, I want to call you to do this. I don't believe that you and I will, will be held accountable to Jesus for a full day of the week, but I believe we will be, according to the Scripture, held accountable to Jesus for taking time to let God's Word sink deep into our hearts and meditate on it to know what we should do for Him, but also have enough in us to be able to pour out in other people's lives. This says that we will be accountable to Him. We need that kind of time. It's it's uh, here. Here's the last point before we go into some 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 conclusion stuff. Um, the sab Sabbath is how we live in relationship with Jesus. Sabbath is how we live in relationship with Him. In other words, if we say, okay, I, I'm I'm really trying to get my walk with Jesus um, right. I'm trying to get it um, at a good, healthy place. You know what most people? You know what most people's uh, first instinct is is okay. How can I, I need to get my life with Jesus back on track. What, what do people usually think of first? What do you think? I'll tell you the answer I hear the most. Go to church. I need to get back in church. I need to be at church. Well, we, we know church is, is not just, it's not the building. It's not the set of services. It, it's the people that we belong to. But, but, it, but it's a target, right? We, we, think so, we, we think so much of a worship service that we schedule and everything. That, that that's what we need to do first. 
And we trust that, okay, if I walk in that building, there'll be some things prepared, and, and, and I'll be able to hear God's word, I'll be able to see some people. I, I'll, I'll feel like I've done something faithful to him. But here's what I've found. If I'm really not living for the Lord, and I go into church, it's hard to really feel connected right at first. It's hard to really feel like I belong. In fact, I'm wondering, what are other people thinking about me? I'm thinking, well, well, is, is this kind of aimed at me, or is it not aimed at me? Or I'm coming in going, well, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't really like the music today, or I, I didn't really feel like the message spoke to my life and what I was really looking for when I came in. We, it, it's almost a dangerous target to set in front of ourselves to say, okay, that is what's going to get me right with the Lord. Hey, look, I, you know what I do for a living, right? Like, this is my job. I love it. This is, but I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of people coming to church. Huge fan. But if I'm just being honest with you, if you feel like things are not on track with you and the Lord, whether you're here, whether you're watching at home, safe for Target, rest in Him. Taking some time to really be able to meditate on what God's speaking to you about. To, to, to do that because you don't want to follow the same disobedient patterns that we've all found ourselves in. Begin with that. And I promise you, if you're seeking the Lord, you'll seek His people. You'll, you'll find them. They'll find you. Those things will happen. We'll gather. We'll always gather. But this is essential. It's, it's actually pretty funny. As I was doing some reading about Sabbath rest and just rest in general, it's amazing how even some just culture things are starting to identify this big secret because sabbath rest is is typically counterculture because it's, it's people getting less busy to seek the lord than just dive deeper into what they're mo mainly occupied with but it's funny how even the world is starting to seek some of this stuff um one, one article i read um it was out of the harvard business journal it said two things about finding rest. It says that people urgently need to make it predictable and required in their life because they were seeing so many people get into so many destructive patterns in just the world of work. I, I read another article that just went through a few different studies, and it talked about, um, and I'll just read this to you. It says, recent studies are showing that taking time for silence restores the nervous system. It helps sustain energy and conditions our minds to be more adaptive and responsive to the complex environments in which so many of us now live, work, and lead. It's as if someone had a plan in all this. Oh, God. Right, he created it. It talks about one particular study that um, the Duke Medical Center did. Um, it, it says that they recently um, produced results um, and found that silence is associated with the development of new cells that are key in, brain, in, their, in, their, in your brain and are associated with learning and memory. It started to talk about here um, just people that practically were learning to relax, that were in job environments that were like just a huge floor of just all cubicles. After about six months of just putting the practice resting extra time in their life, their evaluation about how life was going went up in a positive direction over 50%. Now, I'm not saying that's worth instituting Sabbath rest. Uh, it's worth it because God calls us to do it. It's worth it because it's His design so that we will be able to love Him and know Him better and then ultimately love others and make disciples. 
without that, it's just not going to happen. So, so I'm going to give you a few points, and I just want to roll through these. Um, if, if any of these make sense to you, write them down, take a picture of them, um, nod your head, or, 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 or whatever you feel led to. Here's the first one. If sleep is what you need, go to bed earlier or take naps. There's not a verse in the Bible that matches that exactly. I'm just saying that's good advice. Like if really physical, like if you're at a point to where you are just, I mean, I'm talking like falling asleep at the wheel. I am tired right now. I'm, I'm, I'm energized by what I saw God do last week, but I'm tired. And, and I'm going to take some time because I need to get some rest for my body. But I'm being prideful if I say, hey, this is my rest with the Lord. No, it's not. It's just rest for my body. My mind has got to be awake to be restored in the Lord. So if you're tired, go to sleep, take naps. Everybody around you is going to benefit. Okay? Here's the next one. Break from your labor. Break from your labor. I don't know what you are mainly occupied in right now. For some people, you're, you're, you're very busy at work, but, but life is at a pretty good place. So really, you just need to stop that work. You can get other things done. You can read. You can study some things. You can engage your mind um, if your job is primarily physical, or you can engage your body while if your job is primarily mental. But break from what that primary work is so that you can practically recognize God's greatness, listen to Him, and be able to move some things over so that you can be filled with better things. You're not filling yourself. You're not getting your own stuff done. You're breaking from what you're doing. Hey, for some of us, we need to take a break from just the, the, the drama situation that has preoccupied our thoughts and our conversations so much lately. We're not, and, and I'm including myself because I tend to do this, we're not solving it because we talk about it more. It's not getting any better, right? I mean, some of us would, would, would nod to that. We have to set that aside. We have to give ourselves a break from being so consumed to be able to say, Lord, you are great. Not, Lord, wh what do I need to do? Lord, you are great. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to recognize your greatness in my life, and, and I, I need you to fill me. Now, out of that remarkably becomes a lot of discernment, wisdom on what we should do. Here's the next one. Quiet inner and outer and inner noise. Um, if you're in a season where you've got kids that are very dependent on you, it's going to be hard to get a whole 24 hours of Sabbath rest. We need to find the times that you can sneak away, you can move away, and you can get away and have the noise outer and inner quieted. Ask for help. Partner together. That's why we're, we complement each other. That's why we're married. Find someone that will hang out and, and take some time with your kids and invest in them and pour into them in a fun and safe way and take some of that time. If you're a single parent, please lean on the community of believers that you have around you. If you don't have a season with kids or if, 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 you're, if, if, you're, if your noise in your life is very much inside of you, it's going to be tough. It's going to take great effort to step inside. But be accountable to somebody. Have someone asking you questions, making sure that even, even in the beginning, if it's short stints, you're doing something, getting your mind off that you're able to really hear from the Lord this next one insert time between and then I just put a blank on the screen insert time between whatever sometimes we're, we're, we're really in a moment in life that is very heavy and it's very weighty 
and we're not going to become more faithful because we go from that and roll directly into something else. If you're going, okay, I, my schedule doesn't allow for just a day, you know, one full day to be able to rest like this. Okay, then look at your schedule and say, okay, coming out of something that's very big, very weighty, very occupying of your energy, then figure out a way to go, okay, after this, I'm going to give myself two hours. Two hours, four hours. I'm going to give that time because it takes time to be able to meditate and think and get on a deeper level than just staying on the surface. I'm going to insert time between this and what's coming next to make sure this happens. Next one, discover God's creative power through nature. Um, I've never been what some people would call a great outdoorsman. In fact, a lot of points in my life, I've been a phenomenal indoorsman. I don't know if that's really a thing. But there is nothing like going outside and being in at least some element of nature that just brings an awareness of the greatness of God's creation. Because what did, what did it say after six days? It says that everything was complete. We haven't added to, we've, we've added some things, we've, we've put some things in this world, but we haven't added to the completeness of creation with anything we've come up with. I'm on my iPhone a lot. I like the iPhone. I believe it's the only phone people should have. I pray for people that have Android devices because those people burst into flames from what I hear on the news, right? It just lights up their pocket. It just catches on fire, and I don't think that's good. But that didn't improve God's creation. It just added something to what we handle and what we put our minds and everything on. It's funny. You go and, and you find a people group on this planet that doesn't have the technology we have, you know what they do have? A God concept. They see an obvious design in the world that they live in. And they seek to worship a God that made it. That's just our DNA that we're wired with in God's creation. That's going to be useful. And here's the last one. Discover God's redemptive purposes through meditating on His Word. That's an essential part of it. We can't just have good friends. We can't just go to good church services. We have to spend good amounts of time in the truth of God's Word because everything other than God's Word is just simply, at best, great advice. Truth is found in His Word, and we've got to give ourselves time to get to deep levels with it. When God first instituted Sabbath rest, it recognizes His greatness in creation. When he took that rest and he gave it to people, it was a significant sign of the redemptive relationship that we have through Jesus Christ. Meaning this, I'm not who I was. I'm not headed to hell like I was. I'm going to heaven. I'm saved for eternity. I'm being saved now. God is working in my life. He's establishing a pattern of righteousness in my life. He's growing me. I was saved from my sin the moment I began a relationship with him. I have been redeemed. And to be in that relationship means I am set apart. You're set apart. There's supposed to be something different about us. And, and one of the greatest differences is, is that we have absolute truth from a perfect and holy God. And it can fill our lives. And his spirit can empower our lives to not just love and worship him, but to deal with all these other people the right way. Showing them the light of Jesus absolutely everything we can do and we have convinced ourselves over and over and over again I know I have I've been very good at convincing myself I can get enough done to be okay I'll be honest with you I have found it almost flawless to sit down with people 
that are really up against that wall and just talk through what's going on in life and, and, and look at a life path, it, it's almost flawless. It, it, it just never fails. There's just never rest in that. There's never restoration in the Lord in that, in mine or in yours. Because remember, what does it say? It's still here. It exists. And I can do a whole lot around it. But I have to choose to step in it. And I get it. It's going to take effort. This is not going to be easy. Because for many of us in this room, except for the two lazy people, we know who you are. For most of us in this room, a lot of the work that we do is good work. It's not like your job is evil. Your job doesn't exist as, as a sin. Work is a mission. Our families are the people that God's put us around to love and to raise and to nurture. Friendships to, to pour into and equip. Man, can we just agree that we just can't get it done all on our own? Our busyness leads to our sinfulness. This is the freedom. Not just to live rested and restored, but to be able to fulfill the mission God's really put us on towards other people. Would you bow your heads just for a few minutes with me? God's truth is just real and it's evident. And this kind of restoration is really, in fact, a sign of real relationship with Him. Now, please don't mis mishear me. I'm not saying that if you don't seek regular restoration in the Lord, you don't find rest. I'm not saying that if you don't seek that, you don't belong to Him. I'm just saying that, that you'll find, like I found, I believe, that, that life won't ever be peaceful. It ever won't be what God's called it to be w without this as a regular rhythm in our life. There is, we figured out, right? Adulting means there is no more summer vacations. But there is rest in the Lord. And I don't want you to feel guilty about what you haven't done. I just want you to take time with me to really think through. If, if, if I was full from a period of rest like this, how would it have changed the conversations and the short tempers from this past week? How would I potentially have been more aware of what that person that just seemed like casually came before me really, really needed? Really, really, what is the potential of obedience in this area? I mean, think about it. If I'm regularly restoring the Lord, I'm meditating on His Word, I'm really having His truth revealed, and it's, and it's showing me my life, and, and, and I'm living with Jesus, and we're working all this out, and what, what would a life be like that did not return to the pattern of past disobedience? Imagine the victory and the freedom that we would walk in in that. If you don't know that you have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to leave here this morning knowing that you have one. If you're ready to begin that walk with Christ, then I want to invite you to come up to the front after I finish praying in just a moment and when this next song starts. And I want to invite you, if you don't feel bold enough to come up there, I want to invite you into a conversation after this service. Not to just hear what I say, but I want, to, I want you to know what believing in Jesus Christ means according to God's Word. And I want you to know that you can put your trust in Him and you can be saved. If you're watching this service online, 
We want to be available to you for that need. If you'll send us a message, we will prioritize and we will push off a lot of busyness to come directly to respond to that request. Because the Bible is simple, straightforward. It says that to believe in Jesus, that he has paid the ransom for our sin, that he has come back to life, that he is alive again, that, that my sin it was going to keep me from eternity with God, but that Jesus has paid for that, to believe in that, and to go to God in prayer, confessing Christ as Lord, that, that, that Jesus Christ is, is who now has my life in his hands. He is going to guide me and lead me, and I will live according to his truth. And God, I need your help with that. I need to receive that from you. To, to go to God in prayer and say, God, save me. The Bible says, hey, as, as sure as the word of the Lord is true, God says, I will save you. We want to celebrate with that with you, and we want to walk with you through that. If, if you're tired right now, not just the physical tired, but your soul is close to hitting a wall, please don't leave this place without the confidence that God has designed a life to keep you from hitting that wall. And that at, at this moment now is your opportunity to begin to take steps be restored, to be filled, to be used by Him in your life. If you'd like to pray over any of these things or anything else, we'll be up here to pray with you during this song. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for who you are, the grace that you give, the life that you call us to. Lord, we need more of you. And more of you, Lord, isn't going to necessarily come easy when we busy ourselves. God, help us to, to, to have a dissatisfaction with what's really laziness. Lord, help us to be faithful Christians when it comes to the hours that we have dedicated towards a job. Lord, help us to be faithful this week like we've never been before. Help us to not get our agenda done while we're really on company time when they're paying us for that task. Lord, help us to be faithful in what we're called to do to let Jesus' light shine through that. Lord, help us to get what we need to get done in hours beyond that. But God, help us to then stop and take a break and, and, and to set up quiet time or to, and, and intentional time so that, Lord, we can seek you, know you, hear from you, and be filled by you for all that will come after. Lord, help us to remember this restoration time isn't just, God, about catching up. It's about being prepared. Lord, help us in this way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.